This is Andrew Cronin, and you're listening to Unknown Outcome, the artist interview series. Your chance to go behind the scenes with the Unknown Outcome artists and to learn about their lives and work. In August 2019, the Hermitage Museum and Gardens put out a call to artists. Artist teams, architects, designers, engineers, makers, creators, artists, and dreamers living in and around coastal Virginia were asked to design and fabricate an artwork that addresses the many layers of human impact on the environment. Thirteen artists and artist teams were selected to participate in the exhibition. The artwork selected provides insight into human impact on the environment, including sea level rise, climate change, pollution, and consumption. These 13 indoor and outdoor artworks will ask important questions, challenge perspectives, and educate viewers on the importance of this topic. The Hermitage Museum and Gardens is excited to showcase and support the rich artistic talent living in coastal Virginia for this compelling exhibition. Unknown Outcome a Coastal Virginia Collaboratory. These are the artists and their stories. This is Unknown Outcome, the artist interview series. Episode 7, Nicole Harp. Nicole Harp, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Nicole, how would you describe your style of art to someone who has never seen it? First and foremost, I'm a painter. Uh, My style of work is abstract, non-representational. Though there is text and words, my degrees in design, so graphic design, it's abstract. And I'm, I'm a colorist, uh, though there's a time period where I didn't do any paintings in color. It was all neutral. But um, so abstraction. And I also make sculptures, and they're more conceptual. And then the photographs for the show, uh, they're meant to be a satirical expose. They're more based on uh, concepts. So overall, abstraction is what I, is what I focus on. Who was the first person who recognized your artistic abilities and gave you that first jolt of encouragement? Like the first person who told you you have talent um, in terms of art? Uh, my mother. She's really strong influence um, in general, just single parent raised, uh, raised my brother and I. But she's born and raised in New York, and she would always tell us about her travels in the city, um, taking the Crosstown bus at young age by herself you know, in New York City and going to museums and she graduated, uh, you know, uh, they just always looking at art. And um, so she she knew how important art was to culture. So um, she always pushed us. Um, She's always a tough critic and she was never she would never tell me it was good if it wasn't. So I think that's the first person. She pushed me to get in the governor's school, too, because uh, I was recommended by my principal and I came home and I'm like, I'm not going. And she's like, yes, you are. You're going to apply. So, I mean, she's kind of pushed me. She pushed me to go to school. So she's probably the, um, the first, first and main person. Was that governor's school in the state of New York? Uh, governor's school of the arts here. I was in the very first governor's school in 1985, When did you first call yourself an artist? That seems, um, that seems to be sort of a, a hurdle for some people to sort of self-identify or self-label like that. What was your experience with like, calling yourself an artist? Uh, uh, unofficially, when I was six, I, I, I played the part. I, was, uh, I had an easel and um, a French beret and a palette. And I would stand in front of oil paints, believe it or not. I don't know, Mom, sorry about that. Putting you out there, maybe maybe that wasn't good for my health. <laughs> but uh, sitting in front of an oil painting and painting it when I was like six. Um, but officially, second year of college, when I uh, painted my first abstract work of art. Um, 
it's interesting because middle school, high school, I was thinking like, what do I want to do with my life? And, you know, you go through all the oceanography and because I love the environment and animals. But my mom's like, what class do you love that is not like work um, that you love going to? And the main thing that doesn't seem like work and that you're good at. And it was art for me. And so I kept thinking that and asking that question. And then in college, when I painted my first abstraction, um, abstract work of art, where I put paint, I was in graphic design, but my elective was a painting class. And I put paint on the canvas and I started erasing, pulling away image with turpentine and erasing and looking at the um, the ghost image and then putting, you know, and keep kept putting more down and erasing it. And at that point, I kind of realized this is this is this is where I'm supposed to be. It kind of all fit. You know, I was in that flow state and this is it. And then uh, then you realize you have you know what you're supposed to do and then you have a responsibility to do it. And then and then the pressure's on. How has your process changed from when you first started creating and making art until now? Um, has has the process changed? So if, if we consider like kind of my professional career, like 1992 to now, I've been making it, I've been making it a while. So the basic process is the same kind of where you have an idea. The basic art making process is the same where you have an idea in your mind's eye. You explore that through pre-drawings and then, you know, then you make the art. And then you exhaust all those bodies of work. You exhaust that until you have nothing left to say about it artistically. And then the art, my part, is done. And uh, that's when it's ready for the audience or the viewer's response, the beholder share. Um, I read a lot of Eric Kandel, and if you've heard of Eric Kandel, mm-hmm. Nobel, Prize winning, Nobel Prize winning neuropsychiatrist. But he speaks about art um, as not being complete without the viewer's response, um, the beholder share. So as a painter, as an artist, you have these uh, exciting ideas. And wouldn't it be great if you, you know, if this could light up or this could turn or that could do something. Um, but your your expertise is in painting. So that's so that's where where you can't do something and you reach out to find someone like an engineer and you reach out to someone who can kind of help your vision come to fruition. So that's where doing things that I'm not used to doing, that process has changed for me. I'm doing things I've never done. And that's like staying two feet outside my comfort zone. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's where the blessing comes. So that type of thing where you're able to um, go beyond painting, make something, do your art, do something you could never make it do. So that's where the collaboration kind of comes. And I feel like that's where I've changed my process instead of being just in my studio by myself, but stepping out and um, at my comfort zone and doing things that I'm, I'm not good at, but uh, you know, having someone who is good at it to uh, assist. Nicole, we're going to talk about unknown outcome now. Um, so let's walk through your process for unknown outcome for a bit. Uh, you heard about the call to artists uh, and then what happened? Like what were the steps that came next? You heard about the call. What what'd you do? You know, I was listening to your interview with Sheila and it's like Sheila, somebody, another artist that I knew said, Hey, this might be right up your alley. So then I, you know, I checked that out, but I was excited because it was, it was about the environment and um, my love for the environment. And um, I've worked with the resili- um, resilience and rise in Hampton roads. It was, it was a perfect uh, platform for me. So um, I have a colleague and we, write proposals or look for art shows and proposals to write together. And we, we, we both uh, sat down to, to kind of brainstorm. So. 
Describe the piece of art that you are creating for Unknown Outcome. Uh, what's the title? What are the materials, the colors? It's photography. Um, describe it. Yeah, I, and I, let me just say it's uh, Sam Hughes, Jim Gray, and my and and I. Their photographs. They're shot with Hasselblads, uh, the X one X one D fifty medium format camera um, with a forty five meter lens uh, that allows you to print the large thirty two by forty two. But the work it's supposed to be a satirical expose of the facets of modern living in one foot of water. So uh, picture, you know, 2070 instead of futuristic wonder world, life in Hampton Roads goes on as it always has, except for sea level rise has covered the entire area in over a foot of water. Um, so how will we carry on everyday life and what might that look like uh, living in over 12 inches of water, constantly swimming around your shins? So it's like a photography of a daily life here in southeastern Virginia, but uh, reimagined with daily life living in a foot of water. Yeah. So, for example, social gatherings with family and friends, traffic jams on the commute to work and children going to school. It would express those challenges of adapting to our life amidst that. But but we've in, we've included the everyday life, but the over 12 feet of water. So what would that look like? What do you hope visitors take away or learn or think about in response to your unknown outcome work? Good question. Um, I hope, I hope uh, they take away the, the seriousness of now. I hope they place themselves in the scene and think, you know what, this could be me and this could be us. Put myself in that family and this could be us in 20 years. What, what would that look like and what would I be doing? I hope uh, I can get them to wrap their heads around living in a foot of water and literally placing themselves in that scene it really just to get them to question um, the seriousness of of right now because now is when we need to act or before now but but now for sure there's no greater time than now <laughs> um i do want to thank uh the hermitage and and thank you for doing the um the interviews um podcast it's a beautiful touch thank the hermitage again for taking on a serious topic and limiting it to hampton roads artists because uh, we are second to New Orleans for the largest population center at risk for sea level rise in the country. So I, I felt like by you limiting it to this area, you know, you really understood our connection, deep connection to it. Thanks for saying that, Nicole. Uh, Nicole Harp, congratulations on being selected for Unknown Outcome. We're so excited about your work. Uh, thanks for taking the time this morning to come on the show. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, thoughtful questions and your patience. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Nicole. All right. Bye-bye.